You're listening to the Trinity Ministries podcast. For more information and to support our ministry, go to www.trinityhudson.org. Now you can be singing that all day long, right? Yeah, it's like, yes, you are. Well, welcome to those who are in the room and those listening on our podcast. Uh, it is great to have you here. And as I was putting that little video together, the bumper video, uh, I was actually going to stop it with the train, you know, just kind of going like that, and we fade off into darkness. But I was so agitated after that. I'm like, I, I can't have our, our folks just going into a sermon so agitated. So the nice, calm peace. And especially since we're talking uh, about, if you were here last week, the last couple of weeks, we announced, you know, the, the title of the, ser- or the sermon today is um, From Chaos to Calm. And those images, you know, rile up a lot of chaos in us. And if, if you just turn on the news, it's not hard, or actually, if you just live life, it's not hard to find chaos, right? It's not hard to find crazy things happening in our world and, and uh, disc, uh, uh, inconsistencies in what people say and do. And if you're not careful, um, it, you can be easily overwhelmed by chaos. I mean, politics and you know, conspiracies, opinions, non-factual information, fake news, if you will. You know, it wreaks havoc and steals the joy, steals the joy that God would have for you. Did you know that God wants you to be joyful? Do you know that? That God actually wants you to be joyful? And I don't know how you grew up or what your view of God is, but God's ultimate character is love, and in that love, we find security, we find joy. And I've, we've talked about this before. There's a difference between joy and happiness, okay? And there's a difference between uh, joy and happiness. Joy is a deeper, it's a more foundational uh, experience with, with God and the world than, it, than is happiness. In fact, joy is where your sense of calm and peace actually comes from. I mean, raise your hand right now if in your life you would love to have a little bit more calm, a little bit more peace. Go ahead, raise your hand. <laughs> Look at that. That's like almost all of us. And the others, you're just too shy, I think. But, um, so joy is foundational. Happiness is actually based on short external bursts of feelings. Okay? So when you get a jo- that job promotion, you're happy. For a little while anyway, when you get that A in on that test, if you're a student, if you get that A on that test, when you're sure you are going to get a C, you're like, whoa, and you're happy, at least for a little while. The sugar rush, rush of a chocolate frosted donut, it's kind of the same thing. If you find joy, you find happiness. If you find happiness, you may or may not find joy. And the problem with our society is that we spend more time looking for happiness rather than that foundational, confident, fulfilling experience of joy. And it doesn't take long to have happiness sucked right out of us because life happens. Chaos always kills happiness, but not joy. But there's one thing I want you to know about today as we walk through today going from chaos to calm. And that one thing is this, God is always in control. God is always in control. No matter what is happening in the world, no matter what is in your life, no matter what's happening in your family, in your health, in your friends' lives or family, God is always 
in control. And the reason you need to know this or remind yourself of this uh, is because the world does seem to be spinning more and more toward chaos rather than calm. And, you know, as we said before, so God is always in control. Now, what's the problem with this statement? Life, right? The world, your, your experience right here and now is the problem with how you view this statement. I mean, the problem many of you have isn't, the sta- isn't that the statement isn't true, because it is. The problem is, uh, is that you... Uh, you, you have this sense of life actually happening because we're taught this in, ch- in church, right? How many of you grew up going to the tra- traditional one-hour Sunday school, you know, church Sunday school kind of thing, and we did that, right? All throughout, our, you're growing up, whether you know that or you remember it directly or not, you were taught that God is always in control. The other thing that you were taught is God is love, right? Praise Him, praise Him, all you little children, God is love, God is love, right? Yeah, all of us Lutherans, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like another sacrament. Um, so God is love, we're taught. The other thing is God is all-powerful. He can do whatever he wants, when he wants, and has the power to do this. You learn this in Extreme Kids or Sunday School as you grow up, but as you grow up, your experience with human people and situations in life seem to war against these three statements. You know, maybe for you, there was somebody who wasn't loving or in control or powerful, if you will. Maybe for you, it was an abusive parent, and your view of God was shaped by a dad that was anything but loving. Dads, listen up. Your young kids, their first view and understanding of who God is, is by looking at you. That's scary. It's awesome. Maybe for you financially, it seems that you get a little bit ahead this month, and then the washing machine goes out next month, and you're behind again. Maybe for you, there's a relationship that's become very, very difficult, and your love has grown cold, or your health has grown old, or your child is too bold, or you can't get your house sold. It's kind of on a roll. Just uh, there. But you see negativity all around you. There's plenty of it. And I'm, you know, even this whole message is like, oh my goodness, get to the gospel, get to the grace. But there's plenty of it. And you try and mesh it with these statements of who God is. And if he's in control, why do these things happen? Now listen, if you're not a believer, you're just here because you come into town for the confirmation service this afternoon or, or you, you're here just visiting or you're listening for some reason on our podcast. Um, there's something that you have in common with us Christians. Something that we ask is the same thing that you ask. Wait, if God is love, if God is in control, all-powerful, all that, why doesn't he snuff out the groups intent on destruction, terrorism, and harm? There's a gap there, isn't there? Why doesn't God eradicate evil from the world? And this feeling of chaos stems from that feeling of of the, the, especially for Christians, that inconsistently, God, where are you in all this? Because if you personally were in control, if you were like me, wouldn't you stop all wars? Wouldn't you keep people employed? Wouldn't you eliminate the negative experiences, hardships, executive orders, fake news, ter- all of that? Wouldn't you just stop it? Why does God, why doesn't God stop the chaos, stop the evil, And why doesn't he allow for peace just to reign 
in the world? Why does he put up with the evil acts of ISIS or self-motivated power and corruption in governments? Is he ever going to fix this? Well, that problem that you actually, if you've ever asked that, believe it or not, you're in a group of people from 2,000 years ago who asked the same thing. Jesus' own followers. Jesus was doing amazing things, and his followers saw the power of God in Jesus doing these great things, and yet still this craziness was happening. Uh, Matthew 24, that's what we're going to look at today. Um, and I don't have it up on the screen today, so you can grab your iPhone or um, look it up online, whatever. Uh, Matthew 24, Jesus was teaching all over the, the area of Jerusalem. Uh, and Matthew 24 says this, as Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, so it's that, the temple was kind of like the church back then, and there was a massive complex around where the temple was with outer courts and inner courts and courts for bathing and courts for worship and all these different kind of complexes and buildings. So as he was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. Jesus, look at that one. Jesus, look at that one. They're thinking, he's been there before. Why are you pointing that out? I think that he, the disciples were, were um, in awe or envious or just aggrandizing these beautiful, big, huge buildings, the architecture. They were admiring the architecture. So Jesus checked this out, and the disciples or Jesus says, do you see all these buildings? Yeah. Well, I tell you the truth, Jesus says, they will be completely demolished. Not a stone will be left on top of another. The disciples go, whoa. And then he just keeps walking like he did. Later, Jesus was sitting in the Mount of Olives, and his disciples came to him and pri- privately and said, tell us when all of this will happen. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world as we know it? You know, it's like, it's like you. Has anybody ever said something to you and you went, oh, okay, and then you started thinking about it and you go back to them and go, hey, you know what you said? I, help me understand this. We've, we've done that before. So the disciples said, what sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many and you will hear of wars. This is Jesus saying this 2,000 years ago. Listen. You will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. He continues, nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this is only the first of birth pains with more to come. This is Jesus' happy talk, I guess, right? Not at all. Then it gets worse. Jesus gets personal to the disciples. He looks at his followers and he says, you will be arrested and you will be persecuted and you will be killed. You will be hated all over the world because you're my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. I believe the same thing that he was talking about back then has been happening throughout history, is happening now, and will happen in the future. I mean, think about what's happening now. We have just random groups of people just killing people. I don't know if you heard about that news story, the the guy that was the, the... 
retired guy walking along the street um, doing his daily routine, and some guy just comes, drives up and kills him out of the blue. Or even you think of abortion, where little babies are, are taken from the mother's womb in an act of killing. Or governments, including ours around the world, they lie and deceive for power out, and out of, um, uh, of arrogance. When love is replaced with unwarranted sex and this industry that takes young girls as victims, it's chaos. We live in a world of chaos, and love has gone and has grown cold. But Jesus says this next thing. The one who endures to the end will be saved. And I love what earlier he says in his, life, in, in his teaching. He says, um, uh, in this life, remember this from John 14, in this, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome this world. That's the power, the joy, the confidence that you and I have when we live in this cesspool. Actually, Jack Jorgensen, our youth director, calls it the sewer. You've heard him say that, like, that this world is like living in a sewer. That's the power, though, of the Holy Spirit that we have as Christ followers living in the sewer. Jesus goes, the good news of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. So the same chaos that was happening back then is the same chaos, or the same chaos that is happening now, the same message of Jesus that he taught back then about endurance for Christ followers is the same message that he teaches us today. And what's important for you as Jesus followers is to make a choice on how to respond to the chaos that you see in, the, in, in your everyday life, but also in the world. And so I want to give you um, three choices that you can make by faith uh, when you see all of this and when you think about all this and when it becomes overwhelming and you're addicted to talk radio and, and all these things are happening and you're feeling down and depressed, There are three choices that you can make by faith to help you navigate through the chaos and into the calm. And they're not rocket science. You'll be like, yep, knew that. I could have told you the three before you put them on the screen. Um, This isn't going to be a new thought. But they're true and they're real. And I think right now in our world, I think they're timely. So you can write these down if you want on the insert or whatever you want. So the first one is this, three choices to make. Number one is choose to believe God is in control. Just choose it. Don't doubt it. Just say, God, I don't get it. But I'm just choosing to say, you are in control. Proverbs 3 says, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. All throughout scripture. It doesn't take long to find verses that say that no matter what's happening, God still is in control. I mean, the Bible says, don't worry about your life. God's going to take care of it, take care of all of it. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. This is all character stuff. No government has been set up, get this, no government has been set up or allowed by God, or allowed that has not been by the hand of God. That's a hard one to grapple with. God brings princes to nothing, this is from Isaiah, and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. He causes bows to break, shatters the spear. In the beginning, God created everything, and he's never lost control 
for a nanosecond of history. He's in control. And so the choice we make by faith is to say, you know what? Things are crazy. I'm seeing it. I am choosing, God, to know and proclaim that you are in control. Second one is this. Choose to follow Jesus. This is another one we talk about all the time. Proverbs 3. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. Now, this is obviously from the Old, Old Testament, but Jesus is God. So the teaching that Jesus has is the same teaching from Old and New Testament. Jesus taught both of those things in the past, uh, from the past, but also introduced new concepts as he was teaching um, as it related to God. So my child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store your commands in your heart. And then there's a promise. If you do this, you will live many years and you will have what? Peace. Ah, there's the word. You will have peace and your life will be satisfying. Actually, the Hebrew word is shalom. And if you've studied that word, that means a a total whole peace, a hundred percent wholeness and integrity and of of peace uh, and well-being. So choose to follow Jesus, follow the living that reflects the heart of God. And you may be getting hit for it from people who don't get it, but you'll have peace knowing you followed a God who's in control. Third one is this. Choose to trust the Lord in all things. Trust is something that I give to someone else. I choose to trust is this act right here of giving. I entrust something to someone. It's a confident surrendering of your life to God. It's based on others, other people's recommendations, right? You've got to buy this product. I used it on my hair, and look at my hair. You know, it's, it's that kind of salesy kind of thing. You, if you trust the person who's telling you this, much more like, you're, if you're in sales, this is a no-brainer, much more you will, will probably try that product. If you hear stories about how God is faithful as, as people in our congregation have moved from just throwing things in the, in the offering plate to becoming an actual, actual tither, and you hear stories about that, you're like, well, I trust you and I've seen it in your life, so I think I'm going to trust in that. So it's other recommendations, it's past experiences. You know, one of my f- favorite um, Bible verses or passages of Scripture that got our family through or me especially, through a really, really tough time. If you know my story, you know um, what happened. But Psalm 77, uh, you can read it. The whole first half of the psalm is David just screaming at God because a horrible, horrible things have happened. And he's yelling at God. He's, where are you, God? Have you left? I'm losing sleep. I'm blah, blah, blah. He goes through that. And then halfway through, he goes, how am I going to get over this? And he says, I'm going to remember what God has done in the past. And that'll get me to where I need to be now and through the future. What has God done in the past in your life if you're experiencing chaos? Has God been faithful? Yes. I think about the changes and all the transitions that are happening here at at, uh, Trinity. Pastor Tim retiring, Sherry moving on, um, Jan Frederick, who is our organist for... 3,000 years, uh, uh, downtown. Um, she is starting to move aside as well. Gary Albertson, who does uh, the contemporary service downtown, um, has said sometime during the summer, he's transitioned, uh, just crazy, crazy things. And as a leadership team, at one point we just said, hold on, has God been faithful to Trinity in the past? Yes. 
why do we not believe he's going to be faithful to us in the future? I think the best years of our church are ahead of us. I also think the hardest years of our church are ahead of us. But again, we keep our vision on God's promises and who he is. You know the verse that goes with this one, Proverbs 3, uh, 5 and 6, says this. That's a wrong reference down there. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, all of who you are. Trust in the Lord with all of all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge, meaning giving credit in everything you do, give credit to him. He's going to make your paths straight. He will remove obstacles. He'll remove the chaos. He'll give the strength to choose to be calm in him. Choose to believe God's in control. Choose to follow Jesus and trust in the Lord. Choose to trust in the Lord in all things. He'll make your path straight because he loves you. He loves you a lot. That's what we celebrated last week in Easter. I just want to close with this, and it actually just answering the question really quickly. Why doesn't God kill evil? Why doesn't God snuff out evil in our world? Well, one of the, one of the reasons, um, one of the reasons God doesn't destroy evil is that He would have to destroy every opportunity for choice. Because isn't evil a choice? Just like love is a choice. So to destroy the opportunity for choice, then God would destroy every opportunity for love. Just this morning, I got a text from my brother, and just he sends me these random theological uh, texts because I'm the theologian in the family, I guess. And he said, why did God create a tree in the Garden of Eden, of, of Eden that was evil? Was it for obedience? Question mark. And I texted back, I said, no, it was for love. Because without choice, love is robotic, love is puppeteering, love is, is nothing, really. Love is a choice. So, um, God would have to destroy the opportunity for love, therefore, God would have to destroy the highest good. He would have to, dis- uh, for God to destroy evil would be evil in and of itself. Now, here's the good news. God doesn't destroy evil. Instead, he defeats it. And this is the gospel. All the evil that we have in our own life, the sin, the discrepancy, all of it, he defeats it by Christ, by what Jesus did, dying on the cross, rising again from the dead. That's what we celebrated last week. And that's where, where the Apostle Paul wrote, death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? Jesus has conquered it. Maybe the one thing you need to know is that the calm and the peace that you're looking for isn't found long-term in the things of the world. Those things are great, but don't, rest, don't place your rest and your trust in those things. It's found in the love relationship that you have with God through Christ. He's the one who created everything. He's the one who leads us from chaos to calm because he's the one who loves you. Amen? Amen. Let's stand.